Hey, let's uh, open in prayer. God, we thank you for uh, this opportunity that we have to look at the book of Acts together. And uh, thank you for your word that instructs us. And we thank you for your spirit that helps us to make sense of it. And we pray that um, your spirit would just uh, open our eyes and our hearts to what you have uh, for us in this uh, amazing book. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I have the uh, privilege here of beginning to open up the book of Acts to you and just give a brief overview of the book. And, you know, the Bible is a big book. It covers uh, thousands of years of history and Acts comes near the end. And uh, in the Old Testament, we see um, God coming and working through uh, the children of Israel. And then... Um, this amazing, miraculous thing where Jesus comes and it's God in the flesh, which is um, a miracle. And it's also, sometimes it's hard to take in, but we see in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that um, Christ is uh, on planet earth with us and experiencing things just like we are experiencing. And and after his his death, his burial, and then his resurrection, then we have the book of Acts. And in here we have uh, Luke, the, who's a doctor, Dr. Luke, who records for us all the things that happened for the early church. Luke's also the writer of one of the gospels, the gospel of Luke. And uh, some people believe that those were two books together and they got separated over history, but they are the same uh, author. Um, but what Acts wants to capture for us is the work of God's Spirit, the work of Christ through his people. And it's, it's very much a story about Jesus working through the lives of men and women uh, as this new thing, the church, branches out and gets started. So how are we to make sense of this book? It's one of the biggest books in the New Testament. It's 28 chapters and it covers a lot of ground. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we could make sense of it. Um, John Polhill in his commentary on Romans says, man, there's a bunch of different themes that we could look at. Uh, he has eight. Um, I'm going to bring it down to three for us. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually use uh, the verse in Acts chapter one, verse eight. I don't know if you've memorized that verse. I remember memorizing it when I was a uh, a teenager on one of my first missions trips, that was 1995, I memorized Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and in that one verse, it highlights for us three major themes. So as we're going through these different weeks of study, um, if you're kind of not sure how this is all fitting in, these are three pillars that you'll be able to always go back to and say, this is what uh, Luke, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to accomplish through this book of Acts. So let me begin by reading Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this is the core of the mission that we've been given as uh, believers and given from Christ himself. And so the first thing that we see 
is that the power of the Spirit will come. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the Holy Spirit coming upon believers is this, it's a, it's a new thing that is coming. And it's something that every believer, everyone that puts their faith in Jesus Christ is going to get. So it's different from what we see happening in the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit is this power from God that we see working throughout the New Testament and definitely through the book of Acts. Um, I'm not sure if you've experienced some sorts of different types of power. Um, I, I like to see power definitely in like um, thunderstorms, you know, in the middle of summertime. I can remember when Liz and I were living in Africa and we would see these huge thunderstorms um, growing and coming toward us and, and usually they would um, come with a lot of wind, tons of rain, and also they would come with lots of lightning. And I remember one storm specifically that came and we were literally huddled in the middle of our house because this was such a big one. The wind was blowing everywhere. Lightning was cracking. And one bolt of lightning, I think it landed either on our house or really close to our house. And our daughter had this little uh, kid's toy that was sitting on the floor and it had an LED light in it and a little speaker for noise. That thing turned on and lit up on its own. That, that was power. The air was charged. Well, the Holy Spirit coming into people's lives is not pictured as a lightning bolt, but we definitely see it pictured as fire. And we definitely see it through the lives of the believers as something that is powerful. And if, if you're a believer, you would have had, you've had some experiences probably with the Holy Spirit, either coming into your life when you're a new believer, um, understanding the word of God with greater clarity, um, maybe seeing God work through your life, through different circumstances. The Holy Spirit is active. And Martin, Martin Lloyd-Jones calls it um, a disturbance. And, uh, and I think he means that in a good way. He says this in one of his books. He says, those who have received the Holy Spirit are aware of a power dealing with them and working in them. A disturbance, something someone interfering in their lives. We are going along and suddenly we are arrested and pulled up and we find ourselves different. That is the beginning and that is what always happens when the Holy Ghost begins to work in a human being. There is a disturbance, an interruption to the normal, ordinary tenor of life. And, and this is what we see happening in the book of Acts. We'll see repeatedly how there is a disturbance, an interference, um, most of it for the good of the believers and for what um, God is doing in their midst. Sometimes it comes about in difficult ways or ways that they don't like, but it's the Holy Spirit working. Let me read a few verses here just to, just to give some examples from the book of Acts. So in, in Acts chapter 2, Verses 1 through 3, it says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Again, in Acts chapter 2, at near the end of the chapter, it says this, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 10, verse 44, it says this, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And then in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So you see there like some different examples of how the Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts, in their circumstances. He's guiding people. He's directing people. And this is what we're going to see throughout the book. So throughout this story, we see that God um, just kind of imprints on the reader and is imprinting on the the new church that's um, starting that the Holy Spirit is with them that he's working that he's a he's a constant presence in the narrative so for us as we take it in um, we'll be asking the question hey are we familiar with the Holy Spirit do we know when God's Spirit is speaking to us do we know when he's saying go this way or go that way how are we to be listening and hearing to the Holy Spirit who's still working in uh, my life and in your life and in our church's life? So the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. The second one, they will be faithful witnesses. So he says there that you will be my witnesses. And so in the beginning of Acts, we see that being a witness for Christ actually meant those were the people that had seen and experienced Jesus. So the disciples and some of his early followers had been with him and had been with him in his post-resurrection time on earth and then had seen him go up to heaven. And so these witnesses were literally that. They were people that had seen Christ. It says this in chapter 2, verse 32, it says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses And in chapter 3.15, he says, You killed the author of life who God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. In chapter 10, verse 39, it says, We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And then in chapter 22, verse 15, it says, You will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So literally, the, the apostles that were there and Luke as he's taking all this in and writing it down for us is is writing down the eyewitness account of what believers have seen and heard. And so that's what Acts is. Acts is a true telling of real stories of what God did through his people and they are also witnesses of Christ. Now that word witness it's interesting, the, the word that is used, I believe it's in Greek, martis, that's the word that he's using there. That word meant witness. It's also where we get our word for martyr. And by about 100, a little 125, that, that word had changed its meaning. So it didn't just mean a witness of something. You've seen an event and you're a witness to it. But now it's, it began to mean someone who was willing to die for their faith. Specifically, it was used for Christians. We'll see through Acts that as the pressure of persecution rises, um, some of them begin to lose their life, Stephen being the first example there, and they become witnesses or martyrs following Jesus right to the death. 
and in the end um, we don't have it recorded for us but all the uh, first uh, disciples end up dying for the name of Jesus Christ and so we get this theme throughout the book and it's calling us as believers still today to be witnesses for Christ now where we are here in Canada, Elmira, um, most of us won't face um, persecution right to the point of death. Uh, but our calling to be witnesses is still there. And um, Kent Hughes, in his uh, book on the book of Acts, uh, reminds us of what that looks like and what that calling is to be a witness. He says this, To be a witness for Christ is to bring a message that is a marvel of simplicity. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. He died to pay for our sins. He was resurrected. Now he is exalted in heaven. He calls us to believe in him and so receive forgiveness of sins. This is good news. There is nothing to join, no system to climb, just a person to receive. In him there is eternal life. So this is what we're called to as believers still today is to be a witness faithful witness of what Christ has done. We have not seen Christ physically. We've not seen Christ in the resurrection body, but we know and experience him still today through the Holy Spirit as believers, and now we're called to be witnesses. So the Holy Spirit has come. He's given us power. Second, we've, called to be, we've been called to be witnesses. And then lastly, the third one is the idea of world mission and the triumph of the gospel. So it says here, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Acts has this clear thrust of global spread of the message of Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, we see this very land-centric, you know, Jerusalem, the promised land, and very people-centric, the nation of Israel in that promised land. And God's uh, plan is that the nations around would see them, would see a people that were following after God and that they would then want to follow after God because they've seen the Jewish people doing that. Now, as believers are spirit-empowered, uh, God is saying, now the, the plan is that believers will go out and it will be believers from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It will no longer be um, down to just one people group. It will be everybody. And we'll see this right in the beginning of Acts, where those who get saved are from the Gentile nations, they're, they're Romans, they're Greeks, they're all kinds of people. There's still Jews that are coming into that. But God's plan is that he will use all peoples to reach all peoples over the world. And from this we see... Uh, believers going out throughout the known world and we see the Apostle Paul going and planting churches and that continues on and on and on. The spread just goes far and wide and so it starts in Jerusalem where they are in Acts chapter 1 and it spreads out right through the end of the book. And so how does that go? Well, we're, we're kind of left with a bit of a, a cliffhanger by Acts 28. Um, we don't hear the end of most of the work that God did through even the disciples. Um, but we do know as we look at history and even as we look at our situation right now here in Elmira, we know that it has 
spread and it has gone global and, and the work is still unfinished. Um, Robert Wilkin, who's a professor at the University of Virginia, has studied church history and studied the, the Christian movement in the beginning, and, and he wrote about it, its early beginnings, and he said this, and, and this is kind of from the study they've done and their best estimates, but he says, at the end of the first century, there were fewer than 10,000 Christians in the Roman Empire. The population at that time numbered around 60 million, which meant that Christians made up one one hundredth of one percent, so 0 0.0017. By the year 200, the number may have increased to a little more than 200,000, still a tiny minority under one percent, 0.36. By the year 250, however, the number had risen to more than one million, Almost, that's almost 2% of the population. And by the year 300, Christians made up 10% of the population, approximately 6 million. So rapid growth. Uh, he says all these uh, figures are estimates, um, but what they can see is that Christianity grew slowly at first, but the pace picked up in the third century. And if one were to draw a graph, for the 4th century, the line would mount in a steep upward curve. Christians could be found in all the major cities in the empire and in many small cities, and it was becoming apparent that Christianity was not a passing phenomenon. So even though we don't see the end of it in uh, the book of Acts, we can see from history that God's people did exactly what God had asked them to do. They were spirit-empowered. They were... Not, will, not afraid to be witnesses, and they went out and spread the message of Christ, and it went from town to town to town, and it continues. And so this today is the first teaching that we're putting up for Citizens Church, and we are a baby church. We're brand new. We're literally only a few weeks old, um, but our history, we can see, goes back hundreds, thousands of years right back here to the book of Acts. And our calling is the same. We are called to be people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are called to be witnesses for Christ. And we are called to be a part of God's plan of bringing the gospel to all the corners of the planet. And for our little group our efforts are right here in Elmira and our surrounding towns and and man we're asking the Lord that he would allow us to plant other churches and to spread further and even to have global impact as we start thinking about what God could do through us on an international stage as well so our calling is the same and we want to be encouraged as we think through the book of Acts about how God could use us and just again, like our, our mission, just a reminder of that, is that we want to see people come to know and be changed by Jesus. We want to do this through simple gospel-centered worship, community, and by making disciples who pursue mission in Elmira. And we trust that God will just help us to do that uh, together as we focus on Jesus Christ. Let's pray now. God, thanks for uh, this uh, brief study in the book of Acts. Thanks for um, given us time and even technology to do this. And um, we pray, God, that you would help us in the coming weeks and months to seek you and to learn from uh, how you've 
uh, worked through the church in the past so that uh, we'll be encouraged uh, to be used by you now in the context that we live in and the town that we are a part of. We thank you, God, for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen.